How does someone with plans to teach Spanish end up in medicine? How does a volunteer experience propel one into leadership? What's it like to have a nurse for a wife while studying medicine? And finally, how does one develop an interest in ophthalmology? Today on Talking Admissions and Med Student Life, I interview Troy, a fourth-year medical student here at the University of Utah School of Medicine. Helping you prepare for one of the most rewarding careers in the world. This is Talking Admissions and Med Student Life with your host, the Dean of Admissions at the University of Utah School of Medicine, Dr. Benjamin Chan. Well, welcome to another edition of Talking Admissions and Med Student Life. Troy! I'm so excited you're here, Troy. Fourth-year student... Soon to be newly minted MD in a few short weeks. Correct. Correct. All right. Weeks, yeah. So let's start back in the beginning, Troy. What prompted you to become a doctor? Where? When did that decision get made? Uh, it was a very last-minute decision for me. Hmm. Um, I was pretty sure that I wanted to teach high school Spanish during undergrad. Okay. And so um, I was teaching Spanish and... Uh, was volunteering with a couple of things, and a, a buddy of mine reached out and said, hey, you should volunteer with me for the Red Cross. They teach CPR classes in Spanish. And I, I thought, okay, sweet, I'll do that. Um, and so I went and volunteered, and I, I, don't, I, don't know, I don't know how to quite to describe it. It was just, it was a new skill. It was, I was totally foreign to medicine. I have mm-hmm. no family in medicine. And I just thought it was really fun, and I kind of felt like a rush from saving a mannequin's life mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and teaching that skill to, to different populations. And so um, I kind of decided to pursue it a little bit, and I uh, signed up for an anatomy class just for kicks and giggles. This is at BYU, this right? This is at BYU, okay. yep. yep. So um, I took an anatomy class from, oh, I can't remember her name. Um, she was like... The she most, was very pivotal, Yes. But we can't, yeah, it's okay. Yeah, she was important. Yes. Okay, yeah, am yeah. I not allowed to say name? Oh, no, you can, yeah, you can say name, but like, I'm just okay. saying we can't remember her name, but she was very I, pivotal. I cannot remember her name, yeah, but she was incredible. She's an incredible teacher um, and really kind of sparked my love for human anatomy and mm-hmm. physiology. And uh, I kind of started putting dots together and thought, wow, like it was cool teaching a life saving school or skill. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoy, you know, human anatomy and. Um, I decided to take some more science courses, and then it just kind of spiraled from there. Mm-hmm. And I ended up uh, taking another year at BYU just to finish out because I switched to pre-med kind of late. Mm. Um, but applied and got in, and here I am. All right. So being a BYU pre-medder, yeah. what's that like? Um, it was kind of intense. Um, Would you even say competitive? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, there are so many pre-meds at BYU, mm-hmm. and I had no idea until I entered the pre-med world down there. Mm-hmm. And um, it was kind of like this fend-for-yourself mentality down mm-hmm. there, um, at least how I got it, just because the pre-med program down there, there's like, I don't know how many hundreds of pre-med applicants there are, and they don't really have time to sit down with every single one and kind of... But they kind of portray it as like the, it's very competitive, only the best of the best get in, and mm. you should apply to MD and DO schools because most of you will go DO. And um, so I, I kind of did a lot of it on my own, just kind of, I don't know, researching things and figuring it out. Yeah, how'd you find balance? Like, because, like, um, you know, applying to med school it takes a fair amount of classes and test scores and MCATs and all that. Mm-hmm. But there's also like research and community service. Like, how'd you? fit all that into your schedule um it was hard Mm -hmm. not easy and uh i mean this is 
a question that you're going to have to ask in every facet and asset of your life, right? Mm-hmm. Every, every time period. Pre-med, med school, residency as a physician, this is not something that's going to go away. Um, and I would say that at certain points, I had to make sacrifices in certain things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I uh, there were some semesters where I, like, literally had no social life just because I didn't have time for a social life. Mm-hmm. Um, and then other semesters, uh, I didn't have the time to put into research that I wanted to because I wanted to have a social life. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of ebb and flow um, as far as every different aspect of my life goes. Um, but I think it's important at least to take, you know, a, a weekend, um, a month where you don't do anything or, uh, a night every week. I got married, um, at BYU two years into my schooling there. So Friday night was always date night. Congratulations. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we continued that through med school. So it's good. I never studied on Friday night. That was always my wife's night. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did things every Friday night and still do. Um, and so I, I'd say like kind of forcing yourself to carve out time in your week to to uh, yourself and your mental health and, mm-hmm. um, you know, strengthening relationships with those around you. Yeah. Did you use some of your Spanish for, like, your volunteer work? Oh, yeah. yeah for yeah. Prior to med school? Yeah. Absolutely all of my volunteer work. Okay. Um, that was kind of the theme of my application um, was my Spanish, and um, I found ways to translate, um, and I uh, did some volunteer work at elementary schools where I'd translate for uh, – during parent-teacher conferences, um, I got really involved in, with the Red Cross, and so I taught a lot of Spanish uh, CPR classes and cool. emergency preparedness classes. Um, and, yeah, kind of wove my Spanish into kind of all of my activities. And where, did you learn to speak Spanish on your mission? I did. Where'd you go? I went to Chile. Chile? Viña del Mar. Okay. Yeah. So um, applying to med school, what was your strategy? Um, like how many schools did you apply to? Um you know, what did you do? Like, how did you kind of approach that? Oh, I almost can't remember now. Um, I think I applied to 20 to 30 schools Mm -hmm. and, uh, it was almost, I'd say half was just basically geographical, Mm -hmm. um, where's family, um, where friends. And then the other half, um, was just kind of hearsay where I hear these schools are, uh, have a good relationship with BYU and BYU applicants. Mm-hmm. And so that was kind of how I split it half and half. And if I recall correctly, you got into a fair amount of schools, right? I got into four different schools. You know. Yeah. So how did you, I mean, what, what was the decision points to come here? Uh, I think it came down to um, tuition. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Basic cost-benefit analysis. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I, I mean, there are... This was definitely the best school that I got into as well, and so mm-hmm. there's you know a myriad of reasons why I decided to stay in Utah. Um, but uh, since I did spend uh, five years in Provo, I could qualify for in-state tuition, and mm-hmm. uh, my wife could get a job here as a nurse. Okay. And so I've been fortunate enough to have half tuition for the past. Cha-ching. Three years. Yeah. Yeah, and that's a little better than paying the out-of-state, you know, fifty to sixty to mm-hmm. basically any of the other schools I would have gone to. Mm-hmm. Um, so just on a financial, you know, um, outlook, this was kind of a no brainer for me. Uh, but the reason I say it's the best school is because I think it had, um, great opportunities for research, Mm -hmm. um, outdoors. It's kind of hard to beat living in Salt Lake. I'm a big skier. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, access to big and little Cottonwood Canyon was pretty incredible. 
and yeah, it just kind of worked out. Okay. What kind of nurse is your wife? She's she works on CVMU, so cardiovascular medical unit, um, which she loves. Okay, it's been really helpful for me too. I mean, and it sounds like you got. I mean, like with both of you in healthcare, look, you know, something to talk about around your Friday night dates. Absolutely. Sounds like, yeah. Yeah. It's funny, maybe a little sad, <laughs> how much of our conversation at home um, has to do with medicine. But, um, like, for example, like, I'm going into residency, obviously, in a, in a month or two, and you have to be a- ACLS and BLS certified. And mm-hmm. so last night I was working on the ACLS, you know, videos and, and everything that you do at home, and there's these online simulations, and she's, like, walking me through that. <laughs> you, like, half of oh, that the, stuff's the, easy for her, yeah. yeah. She's like, oh, I do this literally every day. Yeah. So um, it's it's been uh, a huge advantage for me. Is that how you guys met in the hospital, or...? Uh, no, we actually met on a hike. Um, we hiking uh, to the Y because <laughs> I've heard about that. <laughs> <laughs> we weren't that cliche. Actually. Okay, right. um, it was uh, the Silver Lake um, hike. And well, I've been on that. It's very pretty. So, yeah. yeah, we had some mutual friends, and we ended up on the same hike, and we started talking, and I asked her out, and never dated anyone after. So, mm-hmm. worked out really well. Cool. All right, so you're coming here. Um, how was the jump from undergrad to grad or med school? Was it, I mean, how was that first semester? It was like, oh my gosh, this is manageable or, oh, this is really kind of overwhelming. Yeah. Um, so I would say it was pretty on par with my education at BYU. It's okay. first time commitment. And that's probably because when my first semester of medical school, I didn't jump headfirst into all of the extracurricular activities, into research mm-hmm. and um, clinic work and all of the other things. I just kind of focused on my schooling. And so I felt like the schooling, the hours that I put into that were equal to all the hours that I put into everything combined at BYU. And so um, it, it wasn't a huge adjustment for me as far as time spent. Mm-hmm. So it felt very doable. Oh, yeah, yeah. absolutely. And then when did you feel like you had more time to start doing research? Because I know there's community service, there's Spanish-speaking opportunities. When did you start kind of coming into that? Yeah, um, so probably second semester, first year is when I started getting involved in those things. Um, And and I wouldn't say that, like, the the coursework got easier or the hours got less uh, or, or decreased. I would say I was more efficient with my time as far as studying went and I kind of knew what to focus on and how to focus on it and learn some some tips and tricks on how to be a little more efficient so I could kind of cut back on um, hours spent and just be more efficient and that way you know kind of put those extra hours towards uh, working in the clinics mm-hmm. and jumping in research and it just kind of worked out well as far as that transition went. And a little bit of foreshadowing but then like when did you start getting interested in student government? Yeah, um, so <laughs> I I came to med school like with no intention of getting into leadership at all, mm-hmm. um, and things just kind of fell into my lap. Um, I remember like first year, you know, and second year class elections for like class president stuff, and I didn't run for anything because I was never really interested. In, um, but I was working at the Malihe Clinic during first year, and uh, between first and second year, they always do a transition to leadership and. Um, they, you know, offered 
all my classmates and myself like uh, interviews to to work as the co-director and I didn't even apply mm -hmm. um, but the co-directors from the year before approached me and said hey we think you'd be really great at this we <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna appoint you or <laughs> wink wink please apply yeah you know, yeah we'll so, look very favorably upon your application <laughs> please submit it so yeah. so my application was like a one sentence email back saying mm -hmm. you know I, I think I uh, I think I'll, I'll do this um, I'm interested and um, and so I said, okay, great. Um, you you have one of the spots, and so I was a co-director, and I just kind of loved it. And a very similar thing happened with the LMSA group, which is the Latino Medical Student Association. Mm -hmm. um, I was heavily involved <coughs> during first year, again, not seeking any kind of leadership position. Um, and then our co-president the summer between first and second year left on vacation for a while and was doing some other things with research. And so... I kind of took command of the group and kind of led a lot of things. Again, like not hoping to be president or anything. Mm. And then um, our co-president got back and said, hey, Troy, you've done a lot of work. You've done a lot more than I have. Uh, I talked to our mentor, and we think we should appoint you as co-president. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I'm not going to turn that down. Um, so I said, okay, great. Mm -hmm. And just kind of things like that as I went throughout uh, med school, um, and things just kind of fell into my lap. And uh, and then it was time for um, third year, and there was applications for uh, class president, and I, I was kind of on the fence, and then I had a couple of classmates approach me and say, hey, you should run for this, and mm -hmm. so I decided to. And so it's like people really kind of respond to your leadership skills, like... Uh, maybe. <laughs> I mean, they, they see something. They, they, they like you having your organizational skills and have you being in charge of these different programs. Yeah, yeah. It, and that, that might be true. And um, I, it was never a, a strength of mine in, in undergrad, and so it wasn't something I was looking for coming to med school. And I feel like I've kind of developed into that, that person, that role uh, during my medical training. But uh, correct me if I'm wrong, like you're now student body president. Correct. So like, what does that mean for the <laughs> medical school, and, and what, what does that entail? What, is that, what's, um, what do you do? So, yeah. So our official title is um, student body officers, and there's three of us. It's uh, Gwen and Julie and myself, and we uh, work with the, the class co-presidents um, first through fourth year, and uh, we work with basically all the student leaders mm -hmm. and administration, and we're kind of the liaison between the student body and administration. Um, and we lead um, the meeting every month. Um, that uh, incorporates all those members and then we kind of deal with items as they come up mm -hmm. um, we put on some of the uh, big school events uh, such as prom um, or the elections for the next year and then the roast which I'm sure you've talked about in other podcasts mm -hmm. um, and so yeah kind of big events and then coordinating things do you run on platforms or you know what I'm saying like like how do well, how do you campaign for this I mean what what kind of what, what's kind of like the infrastructure, I guess? Uh, so there's a week um, of campaigning, and mm. um, it's open to any any group who wants to run. Um, and it's kind of, I guess, everything you'd expect. Uh, posters, flyers, um, a lot of social media is kind of how you get the word out. And then uh, we kind of frown on spamming everyone with emails, and so we don't mm -hmm. send out emails. Um, but a lot of word of mouth and then kind of trying to say, you know, what is our platform and what we want to accomplish. Mm -hmm. And then there's a big vote and then they announce the results. So I like what you said, like liaison. So if there's like an issue um, that happens or an item that happens within the med school or maybe outside the med school, it sounds like there is an administrative response, but also 
they coordinate and they ask the students what they think and what they feel and what they want. Mm -hmm. is, is that accurate? Yeah, absolutely. So I guess the hard part is, and just to put you on the spot, Troy, like how do you take, how do you represent 500 different students <laughs> who all have different backgrounds, different thoughts, different perspectives, different ideology? I mean, yeah. it, it sounds really hard. I mean, how do you do that? Um, uh, how do you speak for the students, <laughs> I guess? Yeah. Uh, case by case. Okay. Um, yeah, it's it's literally impossible to represent every person and every idea at the same time. Mm -hmm. um, and so we just approach every issue case by case as it comes up. And um, there's never any one person or group who kind of takes command. It's more of a uh, group consensus. And we have a lot of deliberation and, and mm -hmm. talking back and forth before we come to a conclusion. So, well, yeah. It sounds hard. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds hard. Yeah, it's... It's a lot of time, um, but it's been really fulfilling as well. Mm -hmm. Kind of opened my eyes to, kind of, I guess, what happens behind the scenes. Yeah. Do you think this, I mean, you kind of talked about it, but, like, do you think this will lead itself to, like, a career in academic medicine or working in leadership positions in a hospital or, or you know, because you kind of understand, like, some of the dynamics at play and some of the organizational, like, you know, the strengths and weaknesses of large, complex systems interacting with each other, I guess. I mean, yeah. do, you, do you see a future for yourself in that? Or? Yeah, um, I think all signs point that way. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, again, um, kind of a new development in my life. But I, I do feel very fulfilled in a leadership position, um, just representing people. And I enjoy teaching as well. Mm -hmm. And so I, I guess I could see myself as, you know, uh, trying to be a program director in the future for a residency program, um, which I think would be just the funnest job. Mm -hmm. um, but we'll see. I guess time will tell. All right. So you mentioned some events. So prom, what else? Uh, roast. Roast. Uh, elections. Elections. Um, and then we do kind of a back-to-school uh, barbecue. Uh, we don't help out a ton with uh, Second Look Day, but we're involved a little bit. And we're very thankful for that. <laughs> so of those three or four you mentioned, which is like the funnest or kind of spearhead, and, and, and which one just causes you heartburn? <laughs> like there's... <laughs> Um, so, From a student body officer perspective. Yeah. Uh, I think the most uh, entertaining one is the roast. Okay. Um, every single year is always fun. Mm -hmm. um, and then I That's get, interesting because my perspective, like, that also could be the most dangerous because people really like to get very close to the line yes. <laughs> on some of the stuff, yeah. on some of the skits or videos they create. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. or over the line. Yeah, over the um, line. Yeah. And I think for, for similar reasons, kind of the biggest headache is prom. Mm -hmm. um, and just, I guess, dealing with alcohol and what's allowed and what's not and mm. what happens if there is an event. And, I, you know, I feel like there's always some kind of, like, unforeseen adverse event. You know, like uh, a girl slipped on glass this year at prom and had to go to the ED. Oh, no, I didn't hear this. No. Yeah. yeah, so... And so you had a good, like... A plan in place in case someone got hurt at prom. Yeah, I mean, no, that's the problem. <laughs> we did not. Like, uh, we. <laughs> the plan was call Troy. Troy will know what to do. Yeah, the uh, the plan was no plan. Um, mm. But uh, you know, I guess it was nice having very responsible medical students who were around. And, yeah. You know, take if there's anywhere place any event someone can slip and fall and hurt themselves. I guess at a med school event would be right. very advantageous. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, so I guess just kind of dealing with those setbacks is kind of a headache every year mm -hmm. um, as far as prom goes. Uh, and then I, I guess there's similar problems with the roast, but I just feel like the roast is more fun. So going back to the prom, because there's like, did you grow up in Utah? You didn't grow up in Utah. Colorado. Colorado. Well, it may, may have seeped into Colorado. 
there is this um, sort of cultural thing, I don't even know how to describe it, where you ask someone to the dance. I think this starts in high school. Uh-huh. And you have to do it in a very creative way. I don't know if you've heard about this. I've yeah. heard it kind of exists at BYU, so you might have been exposed to this. Yeah. Does the med school do that? Or have they put the kibosh on that? Uh, we, we don't do that. Okay, so, as... that, so that stops at grad school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, at least the vibe I get is, like, if if you have a significant other, then, you know, it's kind of obvious that you're going with them. Okay. And if you're single, then you go with your group of single friends. Okay. It's not kind of like a uh, an event where you pair off. Okay. Is that, if that yeah. makes sense. So it sounds like more like a big party. It, it, yeah, yeah. It, that's exactly what it is. Okay. It, it's a if you party say prom, event. people kind of think, like, you know, pictures and romantic stuff, but yeah. not necessarily it, that. And yeah. there is that stuff, too. Like, okay. we do have pictures. Okay. Um, and, that like... The first year we went to prom, like, my wife made me, like, ask in a cute way. And so, oh, okay. <laughs> so, so, like, I think it does happen for some couples. Sure. Um, but it's not like, it's not like you go in the hall and it's like, oh, like, you know, what girl or what guy are you going to ask? And how are you going to ask them? Like, okay. it, it's not really that high school kind of vibe. Okay. It's good to know. How did you ask your wife? Uh she made you ask in a creative way. <laughs> well, well, she kind of, she never make me do anything, but okay. she kind of gave me that like, so how are you going to ask me? Wink, wink. Like, <laughs> if, you, if you know what I mean. Like, <laughs> oh, so um, that's funny. So I think I had like I don't know flowers, and I used some like mirror um, chalk and like wrote something on the mirror mm-hmm. like, when she came. So kind of pulled back to your BYU days. Some, yeah, some of the creative juices. Yeah, yeah, I tried from, to. Yeah. yeah. All right. Okay, so back to med school. All right, so Troy, if I had asked you any time during the first two years, what would you have said, like, your field was, and how did third year either solidify that or change that? Great question. Um, So I was kind of diehard emergency medicine Mm -hmm. um, during the first two years. I guess just without any experience, any clinical experience at all, it seemed like it was exactly what I was looking for, um, which was doesn't matter who comes through the doors, I'm going to treat them. You know, I don't care who you are. Um, I don't care if you have insurance. I don't care anything. And I like that philosophy. Um, and then I guess it was I liked the idea of being a jack of all trades. And, you know, if I was somewhere and something happened, then I would know what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so a couple of things tied me to that. Um, to emergency and then going into third year um i learned a lot of things uh about myself and what kind of relationship i wanted to have with patients in the future and i realized that i enjoy long-term relationships a lot and that's something that you definitely do not get in the ed and the long-term relationships that you get in the ed are not the (laughs) kinds that you want because they're the, you know... Class- frequent flyers. Frequent flyers, the, yep. yeah, not, not the people you want to see all the time. Um, so I was looking for something long-term relationship. I enjoyed um, my outpatient um, experience. I enjoyed sitting down and talking to people and hearing their story. Um, and I loved the OR. Mm. And I loved um, operating and I loved using my hands and finding something wrong and being able to go in there and fix it and make a drastic difference, you know, in... Um, and quality of life in a short amount of time. I thought that was just so fulfilling. And so I was looking for something where I could use my hands, be in the OR, and have a long-term relationship with patients and still enjoy some, you know, like, laid-back clinic life. And uh, so I, am I, uh, should I, like, say what I'm going into? Yeah, or? yeah. Okay. 
Um, so at the end of third year, I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life, which was very stressful. And I actually mm-hmm. didn't decide until the beginning of fourth year. Okay. And well, that's extremely stressful with what you're <laughs> choosing because we'll talk about that. Yeah. 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 yeah you're exactly right. Um, so I didn't know what I was going to do with my life, and I knew I wanted to do something, subspecialty with surgery, so I kind of floated through all the different specialties. And the surgical I, subspecialties? Sur- yeah, like, surgical so which ones did you kind of like, um, so I dab- taste in? Yeah. I dabbled in ENT. Okay. Um, I did some research in ENT, and I um, watched some uh, procedures in the OR with ENT. Um, I did some neurosurgery, um, and then... Uh, did some research, or not research, um, talked to a urologist, um, and then I did an elective in ophthalmology, mm-hmm. and I just kind of fell in love with um, everything about ophthalmology. So during third year, you never got the chance to have a genuine ophthalmology, no, ophthalmological experience. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of the problem with med school in general is there are, what, 7,500 different <laughs> paths you can take mm-hmm. as far as medicine goes, and you have a very finite amount of time to make a decision and during third year which is your first and basically only clinical exposure that you get um, before you make your decision uh, there's not that much time to do anything other than the core specialties which are surgery internal medicine family medicine peds psych ob and neurology Mm -hmm. other than those specialties if, you, if you're interested in something, you really have to bend over backwards to find time to get exposure to that specialty. And so it's really difficult um, if you don't fall in love with one of those core specialties. Uh, so I was kind of scrambling at the end of third year when I had a little bit of elective time um, and a neurology rotation, which is a little more laid back, and just trying to like jump through as many different subspecialties of surgery as I could. Mm-hmm. And uh, ended up landing on an ophthalmology two-week elective. Yeah, sell it to me. Why opto? Why, <laughs> why, why, yeah. did, why did it resonate with you? Yeah, mm-hmm. so um, the first day I went to the opto clinic, I actually decided, wow, I'm never going to do this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and that's because um, I was in glaucoma clinic. And um, I, I didn't realize that it was glaucoma day. I thought it was just ophthalmology day, like every day. <laughs> And uh, so every single patient that came in had glaucoma. And it was slit lamp exam. And if you're not familiar with what a slit lamp is, it's basically like... Um, an, like That's where you put your chin on the on the little wrist. Exactly. You have to be very still. Yep, okay. yep, yeah. yep. That's exactly what it is. Okay. Yeah. And, and the, the lights kind of shine back and forth. Yeah, the ophthalmologists use their little... Um, Slow lamp, not a microscope, but kind of a microscope. They get really close to your face. Yep. Yeah, 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 exactly. And they say, don't blink or look left, look right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so everyone had glaucoma, and everyone just had like a pressure check and then a slit lamp exam. And as a med student, you have no exposure to slit lamps. And so when I would try to look, I had no idea how to use any of the knobs or what I was looking at. Mm-hmm. Like the iris looked really cool. Yeah. <laughs> close up. <laughs> Um, but I didn't. I didn't really know what I was doing, um, and it just seemed very focused and kind of very foreign to me because I had such little opto. Um, and so I kind of ruled it out. And then the next day I came in, and it was neuroradiology that morning. And um, we had a patient who came in with ptosis, which is drooping of the eyelids. Mm-hmm. And we did something which was the ice cube test is what it's called where you put ice on their eyes and see if um the ptosis resolves interesting yeah and mm-hmm. it did and um it turned out that they had myasthenia gravis which was 
you know, one of the things I learned in neurology and medicine, I was like, oh, wow, there's actually a lot of medicine in ophthalmology, mm. um, something that I hadn't realized before. And then the next day I was in the OR and I um, did a whole day of cataract surgery with Dr. Petty. And I thought cataract surgery was just the coolest procedure done in all of medicine. And it was just, it's just kind of like snowballed, I guess. Mm. Like every day was like cool and something new and more interesting. And I realized that the patients were all happy, you know, as opposed to other clinics where there's like a lot of no-shows. Mm. In ophthalmology, like everyone goes because their vision is so important to them. Yeah. And so... Um, it's like what, 20, 30% of our brain, is de- our visual cortex is dedicated to lo- looking out and seeing the world. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's yeah. incredible. If you think about your eyes are, I'm sorry, this is the psychiatrist. Yeah, go for it. It's like your eyes are just like your brain kind of pushing out. And this is how we interpret everything around us. Like our eyes are our fifth cranial nerve, right? No, second. 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 Oh, yeah. I'm second, so third, ashamed. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's literally our second cranial nerve pushing out and just like, this is how we take in all this stimulation. Yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely incredible. Um, so patients were so grateful and the residents and the attendings were just the most like laid back, kind, well-adjusted people mm-hmm. like that I, and a lot of choosing your specialty is kind of finding your crowd mm-hmm. and finding your people, finding your people mm-hmm. yeah, and what specialty is your people. And I finally felt like I found my people. Um, so when was this rotation? This was the first two weeks of fourth year. So June? Uh, probably May. May. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Early May. So one of the complications is, is that ophthalmology participates in something called early match. So when was that application? I mean, so like, how was it from May? I mean, when was that application due? The middle of August. Okay. So what were you doing? How do you get a really competitive (laughs) ophthalmology? So hint, hint, you matched. So we'll talk about that. But like, how do you, how'd you do that? How'd you put that together Uh, in three months? I completely scrambled. Okay. Um, and I busted my butt for mm-hmm. about two and a half months. And uh, since ophthalmology is a pretty competitive subspecialty, research is kind of big, and it's one of the specialties where they like to see that you did research in, in that specialty. Mm-hmm. And since I obviously hadn't had any optho exposure to that time, I didn't have any research. So um, I jumped on a bunch of projects, and I got uh, 10 publications in what? Tuna. <laughs> that's amazing. That's 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 that's, that's really hard to do. Yeah. Well, I'm it, even scared to share that on the pod because people are going to measure themselves against you now. Like, <laughs> well, they, so so don't get me wrong. Let me like not play. Did it you up eat as much. or sleep during this time? That sounds that sounds crazy. Yes. Um, they were not uh, like first author journal journal publications. Okay. okay? Um, which is kind of the first thing you think of when I say I attend publications. Um, seven or eight of them were uh, website publications through the Moran Corps website. And the the reason I had so many is because um, Dr. Petty wanted to start a uh, cataract surgery um, video textbook series Mm. for residents. And so I would be in the OR and I would film um, parts of his procedures and then I would type them up uh, kind of a basic explanation of like what this is and how to perform it mm-hmm. and the basic skills needed. And then we had put it on this new section of the website that we created. Um, and it's kind of exploded since that time. Um, now, uh, this coming year in the American Academy of Ophthalmology, they're including mm-hmm. the entire um, 
uh, teaching video like textbook wow. as part of one of their like uh, hour long seminars that they're doing. And and um, Dr. Pei is going to talk about how he want you know this should be implemented in every residency program. And so um, I kind of got a lot of really good feedback, and um, it, it came up in every single one of my interviews that mm-hmm. I went on for residency. Uh, so I, I guess um, the stars just kind of fell into place. You know, I had an attending here, like a very well-known attending, Dr. Pettius, uh, who needed a very specific thing at a specific time, mm-hmm. and I also needed that same thing at the same time. So it sounds like a combination of hard work and a little bit of serendipity, yeah. a little bit of timing. Yeah. Yes. Luck. Yep. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah, and that's that's kind of a lot of things in med school. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I would say life. Yeah, yeah and, and life <laughs> yeah, in general, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but it ended up working out, um, and I... And again, like they all weren't first author, you know, major journal publications, which would have looked better. Um, but it was enough to fill the page okay. <laughs> when I applied. Using big font. Yes. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. So um, you put together a competitive ophthalmology application. Yeah. Early match, you said August. Mm-hmm. So the early match, you fi- So how many programs did you apply to? So I applied to 55. Um, How many are there? There are 115. Okay. So based on your application and feedback you were getting, 55 sounded like a good number. Yeah. yeah. Average yeah. for ophthalmology is actually around 70 okay. to apply to. Okay. And then I decided to apply to 55, um, which is, yeah, based on feedback and a uh, number of factors. And how many interview offers did you get? I got... 13, 12, or, 12 or 13 interview offers. Okay, so that was that's good. Yeah. That, that. Yep. So did you go on all 12 or 13? I went on 10. 10, okay. Mm-hmm. So um, what was your strategy? I mean, how did you pick the 55? How did you pick these 10? I mean, what was your strategy at the start of the, the residency interview process? Um, so I picked the 55 um, based on location um, and uh, reputation. Okay. And then and then also the 10, it's like kind of the same thing. Like, oh, you know, the, this is a good program. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and when you do an ophthalmology interview for residency, do they bring you back and make you do a little slit lamp test or do like test your fine motor skill in some way or... Uh, I've heard stories of that happening in the past, but none of my... I didn't have a single experience. I thought you would have a really cool story. Uh, I mean, the the closest thing um, that that, that happened to me was like a stereopsis testing where they test your your depth perception. Um, How do they do that? (laughs) So so basically, they'll give you a sheet um, or this kind of like projector uh, that has like different shapes coming out at you Mm -hmm. in different shades. It's kind of like... When you mention that, I have images of playing softball. As you go out in the outfield and hit balls to you and see if you can, like, run underneath it. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That would be a funner yeah, tester than probably, every day probably. to catch fly balls. I, I would enjoy that a lot, Mark. <laughs> I don't know if that, that is as scientifically rigorous as what you're describing. So. <laughs> yeah, probably not. <laughs> it's always like, oh, like, you have good depth reception if you can, like, run underneath a fly ball. Just based on the sound and how it came off the bat. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that that was the closest thing. Um, is I was just in an interview and they said, "Hey, uh, why don't you?" They just like pulled out and like, "All right, stereopsis testing," and they test your depth perception. Uh, and they don't even tell you like if you <laughs> did well or not. 
Um, but like, it's pretty obvious if you did because you know all the animals like that are coming out of you. Um, but other fascinating. Than, yeah. yeah. Other than that, um, no, no uh, microsurgery. Mm. No. Yeah. Anything else? Not, not, no. Like trying to put a little watch back together like, with your hands. Okay. <laughs> all right. Like that. So um, you're interviewing. You're going out there. Um, you're seeing all these different programs. When, for the early match, do you have to submit your list, your rank list? Uh, you submit January 3rd. Okay. Um, and then you get the results January 10th. So pretty quick turnaround. Yeah. Yeah, which makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. Like, as soon as you put something in a computer algorithm, it takes, what, 10 seconds? But for some reason, it takes a month for the regular <laughs> match. <laughs> I have no idea why. It makes no sense. Tradition. Process. Yeah, I uh, guess. I guess. So how did you, what kind of, like, what was your process for determining your rank order? I mean, what kind of values or what kind of, I mean, how did you prioritize things? Yeah, um, really good question. So um, for me, I guess, um, making sure that uh, my wife was on board and happy was number one priority. Mm-hmm. Um, family and location. Um, and then cost of living, actually. Uh, was a lot more important than than I thought it would be. Um, over program rank or reputation, mm-hmm. all I should have mentioned that overall, all of those things over um, reputation. So um, we really wanted to find somewhere that um, geographically was closer to family. So we were hoping to stay out west. Mm-hmm. Um, we wanted somewhere where we would be happy, be able to go outdoors, do things. Um, you know, like great balance of life um i wanted to go somewhere where i felt again like found my people with the residents mm-hmm. um and then cost of living came into fact as factor as well um and then reputation after that okay so you submit your rank list january yep and then you find out a week later yep how was that week uh like waiting after yeah. <laughs> Um, it was really hard. Um, I was on, what was I on? I can't even remember what I was doing at that time. Oh, I was on ICU, mm. I think. So it was, you were busy. Yeah, I was busy, which was actually nice um, because I didn't have to, well, obviously it was in the back of my head the whole time, but at least I was doing something where I didn't just like sit there and think about it all day. Mm-hmm. So I know there's this whole ritual with the regular match. How did you find out where and when you matched? Was it just like email? Or yeah. Just log in? Or? Yeah. Okay. Um, it was very anticlimactic. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for the re- I guess I should clarify, like ophthalmology and urology, those are the two early match specialties, mm-hmm. right? And military match, I should add. Um, other than that, everyone has this big match day in March, you mm-hmm. know, like... The media's there. All the families are there. Pictures galore. Pictures. Yeah. There's food. Balloons. They, they, they put yeah. them on envelopes on tables. They cut the ribbon. Everyone gets their envelope. They open up. Families are crying. Mm. Um, it's it's a huge, just beautiful celebration. Um, for me, I um, I got the email at 6 a.m. My wife had had food poisoning that whole night, mm. so she was throwing up, um, and I couldn't sleep first of all because i was so anxious and second of all because she was sick Mm -hmm. and i opened up the email and uh i it was like 6 a.m and i was just like laying in bed you know i haven't even gotten out or gotten dressed or anything 
and um, she looks over all excited, like, where are we going, where are we going? And I open up, and I read out Colorado. Mm-hmm. And the first thing she does is throw up. And <laughs> Colorado! Trash can. Oh, no, yeah, so, <laughs> so I was like, oh, no, is oh. this, like, a bad thing, or oh. is she, like, actually sick? Or, um, so it was, it was an extremely different experience mm-hmm. for me than everyone else. Um, I mean, I... I, I maybe you as a future leader in the organization will change that. But, like, I mean, how does that make you feel? That everyone, everyone else kind of did this whole other kind of ceremony, this ritual, but it yeah. sounds like it's non-ritual. Yeah, it's, it's totally not. Yeah. Um, I, I think there are pros and cons to it. Um, pros is you get to know two months earlier than everyone else. Mm-hmm. So stress level goes way down, you know, like beginning of January. Um, you have more time to plan, you know, where you're going, like how much it's going to cost. Mm. You need, does your significant other need to work? Um, you know, you can look at houses. Um, but at the same time, like, I felt like I kind of missed out of that, like, glorious match day celebration. Mm-hmm. And I was there, you know, like I could participate in all the excitement, but... And I got an envelope, too, but I, I knew what was on yeah. the envelope. So. The great Carnac. He's like, ooh, I just feel it. And I got yeah. Colorado. Yeah, like I, I knew it was on the envelope already. So it was, it was kind of, um, I don't know, anticlimactic is like the best word. Okay. So uh, Colorado, are we talking like Denver? or? Yep, it's University of Colorado in Denver. Okay. Yep. So tell me about the program. Why, like, what's so great about it? And Yeah. Yeah, yeah so I, I interviewed there. Um Residents were maybe the happiest and most laid back of mm. any program that I interviewed at. Um, and they were telling me about how they went skiing together every other weekend. Um, Watch Bronco games together. <laughs> and I'm a huge Broncos fan, so it's perfect. Yeah, perfect, yeah. <laughs> um, and it just seemed like they were all happy with where they were at. Mm-hmm. Um, they have... I don't know how in-depth you want to get as far as, like, comparing programs, but uh, a big thing for ophthalmology is how many procedures do you get at the end of um, your residency training. And a big way to gauge that is uh, how many cataracts do you graduate with. And the national average is 160 to 170 as far as cataracts go. Um, And then uh, graduates at the University of Colorado usually graduate with 250, Mm. um, which is very attractive to me. In case I want to go into private practice, you know, I'll feel very comfortable um, and it was that way across the board as far as, you know, their pediatric cases, their retina cases, their oculoplastic cases. Um, and so really good opportunities for surgical training. Basically, every program you interview at, you go and tour the facility and the VA because a lot of your um, OR times at the VA. And they just completed a new VA in Denver, mm-hmm. and it, it was a billion dollars over budget. And so <laughs> you can imagine how nice it is. It was nice. Com- yeah. yeah, compared to our VA here in Salt Lake, mm-hmm. which, which I enjoy the, the mm-hmm. VA here in Salt Lake, but it's like pristine, like mm-hmm. high-end everything over there. Um, well, I think this also helps. Like there's the Air Force Academy up the road. Yeah. yeah. So like, the Air Force is a huge deal in Colorado. So, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So... Um, I guess uh, great facilities, um, great people. Uh, the program director over there actually reached out to me personally before um, I even uh, interviewed there. Mm-hmm. Um, and he let me know, hey, Troy, um, I've heard great things about you from Dr. Petty, who's the program director here. Just want to let you know, like, we're really excited for you to come here and interview, and I look forward to meeting you. Uh, so that like kind of meant a lot to me mm-hmm. that a program director from another program would reach out to me personally. And this probably speaks to him more than it does to me. 
Um, but uh, I just felt like if if he's that willing to do that for medical students, mm-hmm. what is he willing to do for his residents? That's a really great. That's really great of him. That's a really great idea. I don't know if I could pull that off at admissions because I would be like calling all these pre. I, I don't know, but like that's yeah. a really great idea. Yeah, kind of yeah. puts a nice kind of connects you to the program even before you set foot there. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. so like I had a tie like going in to interview day, like I already knew that they were excited that I was mm-hmm. there. And so it was a whole different experience for me. Interesting. As opposed to other programs where, you know, you never hear anything and then you send a thank you afterwards and you never hear anything after. <laughs> and so, um, it, you know, and I got an email from him like before and after I interviewed there and, you know, he got my number and so like we're like texting, you know, like, and so um, I really felt like they wanted me there, and that that kind of that was the only program that it happened um, mm-hmm. for, and it really kind of elevated that program for me. And just talking to the residents there when I interviewed there, it seems like um, Dr. Suhu, who he's, he's um, the program director over there, he really is invested in his residents, and he'll drop everything to make sure you know that they get the experience they need and they go to the places that they want to go to as part mm-hmm. of their career. So it seems like the administration there was really invested in their their uh, residents. So awesome! How big is the program? How many residents? Uh, so um, for ophthalmology, it's pretty big. Mm-hmm. Um, average number of residents per program is about four, mm-hmm. four to five. Here at the Moran, there's four residents. Um, in Colorado, there's six. Okay. So they just went up from five to six um, last year. Um, so yeah. That's, that's great. Yeah. So, you know, before we turn it on the pod, we were kind of talking, like, you know, the match has already happened, graduation's coming up. Um, how does it feel to be at med school for the last few weeks? Is it kind of hard, or is it... Because you're thinking about that next step? I mean, yeah. like, you know, what, what, where, where's your mind right now? Uh, my mind is not in med school. Okay. Um, and maybe I shouldn't say that. <laughs> that's okay. By the but, time we get this posted... It'll be after graduation. Perfect. So you can say whatever you want. Perfect. <laughs> Within uh, reason. Yeah. <laughs> okay, perfect. Um, and I guess it's been that way for the past month. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had clinical duties this whole semester. So, you know, I've had two months of medicine rotation. Um, and this past month has just kind of been anesthesia and radiology electives. Um, and so... I guess in the past, you know, med school, you, you, you look up your patients before you get there, you do your work, you go home, you study for the shelf, Mm -hmm. you study for the next day, you look up on stuff like the attending points out, uh, which is great for education. And now it's just kind of (laughs) like, not really. yeah, Yeah. Like I go in at nine. Um, and then, you know, obviously I participate and, and, and be helpful to the team while I'm there. Uh, not that there is much I can do in radiology anyways. Um, but then, you know, you go home early afternoon. And for me, it's like, okay, I'm looking at housing. Mm-hmm. Um, we're looking at moving expenses. Um, we're looking at... Jobs. Denver Broncos blog posts. <laughs> exactly. Free agent acquisitions. Yeah. yeah. Like Potential I'm, drafts. I, yeah. I'm very involved in the NBA playoffs right now. Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, I've gotten a lot of good skiing in. And, mm-hmm. and I go to the park with my daughter mm-hmm. every day. Um, and my wife and I go on runs together. Um, and so... I guess it's a lot of, for me right now, uh, my mindset is next step. Like, yeah. Right? It sounds like, you know, you're, you know, talk, to focus on wellness and balance, it sounds like you're, you know, creating this reserve. Because, like, you know, intern year is, is hard and stressful and it's going to kick off probably, what, mid-June? Yep. So, yep. yeah. And, and life changes pretty quickly. So yeah, I think absolutely. it's good to get that stuff, that those feelings, those activities in now is... 
yeah. you kind of move towards the next phase of your medical education. So. Absolutely. And I mean, you're only fourth year medical school, you know, you're only in fourth year once. Mm -hmm. And so um, I, I think you should take full advantage of the extra time that you have to spend with your family and really focus on your, your wellness. Uh, so I've been trying to do that. Okay. So going back to your leadership skills to kind of wind down this podcast, action item, action items. Um, we're going to make more of a celebration slash ritual for early match. Yeah. And we're going to add catching softballs in the outfield. <laughs> yeah. Part of the ophthalmology residency interview process. <laughs> that would be awesome. You, I can just imagine you with a big kind of like bag of softballs and just yeah. hitting fly balls. That would be And watching so applicants fun. in their best interview day attire yeah. running around the outfield. Yes. Yeah. Dropping balls would be a negative. Getting hit in the face. Well, you know, yeah. you have your mid up. Yeah. yeah, you probably can't be a good cataract surgeon yes. if, you, if you can't catch the softball. Great. Well, thank you, Troy, so much. Best, yeah. of, best of luck to you. And, uh, yeah, uh, I hope you come back to Utah and practice one day. Thanks. I really appreciate that. Thanks, Dr. Chan. Thanks for listening to Talking Admissions and Med Student Life with Dr. Benjamin Chan, the ultimate resource to help you on your journey to and through medical school. A production of the Scope Health Sciences Radio, online at thescoperadio.com.